Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Christina loved helping others. She advocated for anyone in need and looked out for the underdog. Her passion goes above and beyond her work at the Howard Brown Health Center in Chicago, where she worked for over six years. In 2010, her hard work and commitment to service of others received recognition when she was awarded the Howard Brown Health Spirit Award, the highest honor given to staff members. Christina touched the hearts of everyone she met and empowered many to be the best. In June of 2011, Christina was happily engaged to her longtime love and cannot wait to live a happy married life. One of the things they enjoy together is the love of music. To celebrate, the two plan to go to the Indiana State Fair and see one of their favorite bands. When they got there, the tickets they received were so close to the stage that they could feel the speakers vibrate during the warm-up. They laughed and embraced to feel the moment waiting for the main band to get on stage so they can sing along to their favorite songs. The sky was dark and the wind was chilly, but they paid no attention. Christina looked forward to this concert and so did others around her. But despite the happy, cheering fans around the stage, nature had different plans. Christina will never get to hear her favorite songs ever again. the state. 
state's capital. Other cities in Indiana also hosted the fair in other years, including Lafayette, Fort Wayne, and Madison. The state allocated a 38-acre land in 1860 for the annual state fair located north of Indianapolis, where it has been held ever since. Now the fairgrounds stretches 250 acres in most events throughout the year. The fair lasts for 17 days and attended by close to a million people per year for in-state and out-of-state visitors. In the middle of the fairgrounds is an oval field used as either a parking lot or for race competitions. Surrounding the oval are various fair-related events and staples, including what they call the Midway, where carnival rides are located, and in other areas are food tents everywhere for a bite to eat. Previous U.S. presidents have graced the fair many times over. Many entertainers and headliners have played at the fair. In 1964, the Beatles played two sold-out shows in September, attended by 30,000 screaming fans. The fairgrounds also had many permanent buildings and structures used for many purposes. An indoor arena called the Pepsi Coliseum, where the Beatles played in, a public safety building that houses the American Red Cross and Indiana State Police officers, and the Hoosier Lottery Grandstand for outdoor events. As I said, it is a big deal. What many do not realize is that to prepare for one year's fair, it takes three years of continuous planning, fundraising, and coordination. In 1990, the Indiana State Fair Commission, or IFSC, was established to see the year-round operations of the fairgrounds with a separate board to oversee the state fair alone. Their mission is to preserve and enhance the Indiana State Fairgrounds and the annual Indiana State Fair for the benefit of all citizens of Indiana. Preparations by the committee include emergency planning and coordinating with the Indiana State Police, Homeland Security, and Public Safety. And, because the state fair also has temporary structures, the Indiana OSHA, or Occupational Safety and Health Administration, was also significantly involved. The state fair employs thousands of employees and contractors, just for the 17 days, and in some cases, only for one or two events. Months before the fair, there were training and preparedness efforts submitted to the state to ensure that all potential incidents are covered. Overall, the committee makes sure that all events, especially the state fair, go smoothly and without incident. The state fair in August of 2011 was no exception. It was in its 155th year and with delight, the fair was about to celebrate the year of the soybean. Aside from the competitions, rides, and foods, there were several music headliners scheduled to perform. On March 26th of that year, the concert lineup was announced. Big Time Rush for the Kids on August 11th, Sugarland and Sarah Bareilles on August 13th, and closing the series was Lady Antebellum on August 19th. For this concert series, the Hoosier Lottery Grandstand was the chosen venue since it holds about 15,000 fans. In front of the grandstand is a part of the racing dirt track oval called the Track of the Champions, where fans can also sit or stand with temporary seating facing the grandstand stage. The stage itself has an 80-foot by 48-foot concrete foundation, which is about 4 feet high from the ground, and directly underneath it are prep areas where artists and performers would stay until it was time to walk on stage. 
When concerts or events are held on the grand stage, a temporary structure to hold lights, speakers, or other required equipment is built on top of the foundation. The commission hires contractors to build the structure to the specifications of the event managers or for the requirements of the bands. If for some reason, the grandstand and grand stage areas are not available, the Coliseum, located just right behind the grandstand, can be used, but it can only hold around 11,000 people. The 2011 State Fair kicked off with thousands of people in and out of the state of Indiana in attendance. On the early morning of Saturday, August 13th, Public Safety and Logistics Director Ray Allison walked inside the fairgrounds Joint Operations Center to start the weekend. Ray checked in with a night shift, as he did every day, and they talked about the funny and not-so-funny things that happened overnight. As he looked over the day's schedule, the night shift mentioned that there might be some bad weather coming this afternoon or later in the evening. Ray thanked the crew and convinced him to go on home and get some much-needed rest. He went on to continue the rest of his day as he planned, checked the ticketing area, inspected the gates, reviewed security, surveyed the parking lot, and all the while, monitored the weather. At 8 o'clock in the morning, Ray attended the regular safety briefing led by the Indiana State Fair Commission Executive Director, Cindy Hoy, where an update about the weather was discussed. Around the same time, Sugarland's crew arrived to start unloading the band's equipment for tonight's performance. Leading this team was Eric Milby, the event coordinator in charge of tonight's entertainment. Local union stagehands assisted in the setup of the rig on the grand stage. One of these stagehands was Nathan Bird, who has set up hundreds of band equipment throughout his career. Sarah Bareilles was going on stage at around 7.30 in the evening, while Sugarland was going to perform at around 8.45 in the evening. As the day went on, Ray Allison continued to check in with the National Weather Service about every hour. By 5 p.m., the winds picked up, and Ray called more frequently to get weather updates. He started to get anxious. Across the fairgrounds, Cindy Hoy was meeting with VIPs in the administration building. While in the meeting, Cindy happened to look up and saw nothing but gray, heavy clouds starting to form. She immediately excused herself from the meeting and called the Central Communications Office. She requested to meet with some fairgrounds staff members and contractors at 8 p.m. They were to meet behind the grand stage to discuss if the weather will have an impact on the show. Meanwhile, Eric Milby was near the grand stage having a briefing about the show. In the briefing were select fairground staff, a couple of state police members, and representatives of Sugarland. They talked about security issues, VIP access to the band, and the likelihood of rain. The representative from Sugarland looked at his phone and said, Yeah, it does look like rain. Everyone looked at one another for a moment, wondering if somebody's going to say something. Or maybe somebody will have to decide if the show was to be canceled or delayed. No one ever thought how important this decision will be later on. Security for the show started to let fans in to claim their spots on the stands or on the dirt track below. This was around 6 p.m. Among the crowd was Thomas and Brittany McDoor. Brittany surprised Thomas with tickets to see Sugarland, and both were pretty excited to be there. Thomas, like the band, was originally from Georgia and have always wanted to see them live. 
Summer nights in Indiana are usually warm, but both Thomas and Brittany noticed that the wind was a bit chilly that evening. But despite the sudden change in the weather, Brittany and Thomas were determined to enjoy the show. An hour later, Ray Allison got off the phone with the National Weather Service. It was bad news. With the rain came 60-mile-per-hour winds and possible one-inch hailstorms. A thunderstorm warning in 32 counties, including the county where the fairgrounds are located, is in effect. Immediately, Ray sent a message using the fairgrounds automatic messaging system. This is Indiana State Fair Operations. The National Weather Service in Indianapolis has issued a severe thunderstorm watch for central Indiana, including Marion County. Currently, they are telling us that a line of storms is moving into the area from Illinois. These storms should be here between 9 and 9.30 this evening. These are severe storms. We will experience heavy rain, possible high winds, hail, and some lightning. Again, these storms should be here between 9 and 9.30 this evening and should be with us for about an hour once they arrive. I will have another update in about an hour and update you on the information. Thank you. This notification was sent to select fairground staff, but did not include contractors or public safety agencies including the state police who were on duty. But one state police officer was paying attention to the weather. Captain Brad Weaver was somewhere in the dirt track oval near the grand stage. He was off duty at that time with his wife to see Sugarland, but told the other state police officers that he was on site. As they waited for the show to start, Captain Weaver kept looking up in the sky. It's getting darker and the wind is getting stronger. At 7.30 p.m., Sarah Bareilles started her show. The enthusiastic crowd sang their hearts out to love song and did not seem to mind the heavy clouds across the fairgrounds. Cindy Hoy started her meeting at the production trailer near the grand stage. In this meeting was Eric Milby, Indiana State Fair staff members, representatives from the company who booked the entertainment, a contract meteorologist named Paul Poteet, and a publicist. None of the public safety officers were invited. Cindy read the notification message sent by Ray Allison. Paul Poteet, the meteorologist, reported that the bad weather might arrive between 9 to 9.15 p.m. about the same time as what the notification message said. When he was asked what to do about the show, Paul stated that the show should be delayed after the rain has passed. Several agreed, including Cindy. With that said, Eric Milby rushed to Sugarland's manager and talked to them about the inclement weather and possibly delaying the show time after 9.15. Representatives of the band said no, because immediately after their set, the band and crew will need to head to Iowa for another scheduled show. After Sarah Bareilles ended her show at around 8.15 p.m., the production crew started to get ready for Sugarland's set. The team opened an area in the immediate front intimately close to the edge of the constructed stage called the Sugar Pit, where many ardent fans wait patiently to see their idols up close get to enjoy the show. Eventually, the band members agreed to delay but not at the time the staff suggested. They will delay but start their set at 8.50 p.m., five minutes later than initially scheduled. 
Cindy Hoy received this information and hesitantly agreed. It still did not feel right. As she walked out of the trailer and went closer to the stage, she saw Captain Weaver in the crowd. Cindy stopped and asked Captain Weaver for his opinion, and he said, Ma'am, it's not my call. It's not my sight. But if it were me, I'd shut it down. At least two people in the crowd heard him say this to Cindy. It was around 8.30 p.m. Cindy thought about what Captain Weaver said and went back to talk to her staff. Around the same time, Sugarland was preparing to go on stage. As they always do before showtime, the band members formed a circle, held hands, and bowed down to pray. Outside, the weather is getting worse, and the clouds are heavy with rain. The crowd was starting to get anxious, but the band was ready to go. With the help of her staff, Cindy drafted a message to announce to the crowd. The announcement was made by Bob Richards, a local radio DJ who was warming up the crowd. As you can see to the west, there are some clouds. We are all hoping for the best that the weather is going to bypass us, but there's a very good chance that it won't. So just a quick heads up before the show starts. If there is a point during the show where we have to stop the uh, show on stage, what we'd like to have you do is calmly move towards the exits and then head across the street to either the Champions Pavilion, the Blue Ribbon Pavilion, or the Pepsi Coliseum. And then, once the storm passes and everything's safe, we're going to try our best to come back and resume the show, which we have every belief that that's going to happen. So please get ready, because in just a couple of minutes, we're going to try and get Sugarland on stage. Have a great show. After hearing the announcement, Captain Weaver's jaw dropped. He cannot believe what he had just heard. He thought that Cindy took his advice and was announcing an evacuation. Instead, over 11,000 fans cheered loudly. Confused and baffled, Captain Weaver met with Cindy again to express his concerns. Once he found Cindy, she looked distressed. Cindy told him that as state police, he can make the call to stop the show. Captain Weaver started walking backstage and he was determined to cancel everything. The wind blew harder and its howl was getting louder and louder. On the dirt track, hundreds started to get on their feet to move away from the stage. Then, the blue fabric covering the makeshift roof ripped apart. Slowly, the metal scaffolding started to bend. At 8.46 p.m., four minutes before Sugarland was going on stage, a strong gust of wind measuring 60 miles an hour blew across the grand stage and the metal scaffolding holding up everything collapsed and fell towards the crowd in front. It fell on top of the sugar pit. Battalion 11, go ahead. The information only, if you're responding to the safe fairgrounds, we had a, a collapse of a grandstand area. We have multiple, multiple people trapped and multiple injuries. Uh, I need for you to come in off gate 6, which is the main gate, and then we'll get you back into the location. Okay, we're clearing gate 6. Control from uh, safe fairgrounds. 
State Fair Command, go ahead. How many ambulances do you have coming to this location right now? At this time, you have you have Medic 5 and Medic 31 at this time. We're getting more units as they become available. Okay, yeah, if you can give me some more, um, just keep me advised how many you got coming. Uh, we're right inside the grandstand. Uh, we're just going to need to get a stationary set up once they start getting some help. Many watched in horror as the stage plunged to the ground. As we heard from Fire and Emergency Dispatch, many people were trapped underneath the scaffolding and multiple injuries were reported. At approximately 8.54 p.m., the fire department's representative at the state fair declared a level one mass casualty incident and radioed this information to the 911 dispatch center. Fire Battalion 11 arrived on scene by 9.17 and several ambulances and medical transport shortly followed. It was chaos, intensified by rain and wind gusts. The mass casualty of the Indiana State Fair collapse on the scene was four dead, three in critical condition, and 58 severely injured. Many people were dispatched to different area hospitals. In the following weeks, the three who were in critical condition succumbed to their injuries, which brings the total number of deaths to seven. Among the seven who died was Nathan Bird, the 51-year-old stagehand who was running the show Spotlight, and Christina Santiago, a 29-year-old well-known LGBT advocate from Chicago who was with her fiancé Alicia Brennan at the concert. The quick response from the safety and emergency crew helped minimize the fatalities of the incident. By 2 a.m., the fire department completed a search for any remaining injured or ill. Luckily, no one was declared missing or lost. Immediately following the incident, the Indiana State Fair Commission hired the company Thornton Tomasetti to investigate the structural and engineering of the constructed stage. Thornton Tomasetti was the same company who investigated the collapse of the World Trade Center towers on September 11th. Witt and Associates were also hired to investigate the emergency preparedness and how the State Fair staff responded to the incident. From the final report of Thornton Tomasetti, the cause of the stage collapse was as follows. The failure was due to the inadequate capacity of the lateral load resisting system. Now in terms that I can understand is that the structure was not able to withstand winds above 43 miles an hour. And if you remember, the gusts of wind that night was way beyond that. Although according to the report, even if the structure was able to withstand the wind, the stage itself was not capable of handling the weight of everything on top of it. In the independent report submitted by Witt and Associates, they concluded three findings. First, the Indiana State Fair Commission had taken steps to prepare for an emergency on the fairgrounds, but not to the degree of the size and scope of the events of that night. This means that there were security and emergency plans in place, and the State Fair Commission even had triage response practices with public safety agencies but it was not adequate in scale in comparison to what happened. The plans included extreme heat and cold, 
but nothing to the degree of high winds and possible hail. Second, there was no formal protocol regarding whose call it was to delay, postpone, or cancel any event in the fair. If you recall during the meeting at 8 p.m. with Cindy Hoy and other staff members, many voiced their opinion to delay, but since the band did not want to start the show later or cancel, Cindy felt that perhaps it was the band's decision and not the State Fair Commission's. On the other hand, after the announcement, Cindy mentioned to Captain Weaver that he did have the authority to stop the show, but it was all too late. The lack of actual decision-maker for the whole event was unfortunate. The third finding was on the positive side. Witt and Associates determined that the response to the collapse was successful. The response time by emergency services and firefighters were above par, and all patients requiring hospitalization were transported to hospitals in under 80 minutes from the time of the collapse. The findings also listed primary recommendations to make sure that something like this will never happen again. The recommendations include implementing year-round emergency preparedness plans, employment of a public safety officer reporting directly to the State Fair Commission, and a weather forecasting service, as well as changes to the building codes that were more aligned to the national model and fire codes to build temporary structures. There were several lawsuits filed against agencies and companies involved in the Indiana State Fair of 2011. One of the largest settlements was $50 million to be distributed to an unknown number of surviving families. This settlement was historic as it was the first time that in the state of Indiana, or for the United States for that matter, that a settlement distribution was bestowed to a same-sex beneficiary. Sugarland members Jennifer Nettles and Christian Bush were devastated by this tragedy and honored the victims in a moment of silence during the rest of their tour in 2011. Years later, they both expressed their desire to reach out to their fans but was restricted to what they can say because of the pending litigations. The Indiana State Police, local firefighters, emergency crews, and local police very well deserve the praise and recognition for their actions during the chaos and frenzy of this incident. But let's also recognize the members of the public and concert attendees who helped care for the injured and volunteered to lift the collapsed stage by hand to rescue those who were trapped underneath. Many were heard saying, I'm a nurse, let me help, or I can help or without hesitation, stayed with those who were injured, even though they were complete strangers. In one case, a four-year-old girl was severely wounded, and a critical care doctor was near her and managed to save her life. Thomas McDur also saw another one bleeding and immediately took off his shirt to use it as a bandage. Thomas was greatly affected by what he saw and experienced that day, and he changed his career path. He became the resident chaplain at the Indiana University Health Methodist Hospital. The unfortunate events of that night could have been preventable, but I can't help to think how much worse it would have been if it weren't for the kindness of strangers. Many rolled up their sleeves and held a hand to comfort those in need. They got involved. It was incredible to think that in a time of tragedy, many took the time to help and many were willing to save a life. 
thank you for listening to this episode of Untimely. Have you ever been in a position to save a life? Share your story with me and we'll feature you in the upcoming episodes. Send me a note at untimelypodcast at gmail.com or follow me and send me a note on Twitter at untimelypodcast. Don't forget to thank our public safety agency and medical community members for their service, hard work, and diligence in keeping all of us safe and sound. Lastly, if you are listening to this episode, please take the time to review and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Say hello to us on Twitter at Untimely Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.